0: following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. You know, when we, when we think about the church, what makes the church the church, I believe, is the health, the health of our heart. The health of the heart. The heart is really the heart of the matter, and in the church, I think that's the case. Now... I don't know how your heart is doing, but I want to talk to you this morning about your heart. And uh, before we start, I want to start with a little experiment because we should check our hearts from time to time. So I want to ask you to do something. If you'd be willing to check your heart, this is an experiment. I want you to take your pulse. Take your two fingers here. Put them on the side of your throat over here. Everybody push down slightly. And does everybody feel that pulse beating in there? If you do, raise your hand. Okay, great. Put them down. We're alive. We're all alive this morning. (laughs) We can uh, take another offering, go home, call it a day in prayer. Now, how many did not feel a pulse? Anybody put up your hand because we have a prayer team that believes in the power of resurrection and we will come and pray for you. Okay, we got pulses in the room? Good. That's important. No, the the heart is so important. The health of your heart is so important. And I don't want to just talk about the health of your heart in a natural way. I want to talk about the health of your heart in a spiritual way. Because it is so powerful. In fact, the human heart, if you think about a couple of statistics about the human heart, it's amazing. Uh, It not only keeps us alive by pumping blood, but it beats about 40 million times a year. That's a lot of heartbeats. Um, The heart, it it pumps about 3,000 gallons of blood every day. Somebody could fill up their pool like overnight. Just the capacity of the heart. 650,000 gallons a year that heart's just pounding away doing. It pumps so hard that it could hydraulically, it could lift a 150-pound man three stories in the air in just one hour. So if the elevator's not coming, you can just like wait an hour. That's how strong the heart is. It exerts enough energy in 12 hours to lift a 65-ton train car up in the air. That's amazing. Here's one thing. It exerts enough power In an average 70 year lifespan, your heart to lift an entire battleship completely out of the water. Now, we don't think about that when we think of the heart, but this is what's important. I believe spiritually God could even do more than lifting a battleship up out of the water. Spiritually speaking, with your heart and mine, if our heart is right, if our heart is lined up with the heart of God, because the heart of God beats in a certain way. And if we could syncopate our heartbeat with the heartbeat of God, watch out. Radical stuff can happen. I mean, radical stuff can happen if the human heart can lift a battleship out of the water in a lifetime. What could God do with your heart and my heart if it were truly lined up with him? It's a big deal. It's an important deal. When we come to church, we learn about the word. We're going to be looking at some scriptures today regarding the heart. But a lot of times what we do is we intellectually, we take things in and we think about it and we ponder it and we say, well, I learned something new today. But I want to say, if this message doesn't go further than just learning something new, we're totally missing the point. The point is the heart of God is so amazing. And if we would just lock our hearts with his and be willing to do it, God will change your life. You will live your life in a whole different way with a whole different capacity Because God will move through you. And that's my prayer as a church, not only individually, but collectively, that our hearts would beat with the heartbeat of God. Are you guys up for that? Amen. Well, let's explore this. And I want you to look at this through the eyes of your heart this morning. And when we talk about some of these topics on the heart, uh, there's going to be some things that come up that might feel a little close to home. Because hearts are very sensitive. Hearts, things come up, and we don't want to deal with areas of our hearts. What I find as a, as, as a pastor, I realize, and even as a believer, that we open our heart to Jesus, we ask him to come in, yet we discover, as time goes on, there's areas of our heart that we haven't given him. Has anyone ever realized that? Am I the only one? More honesty in the house of God this morning? Amen. We, we want him to come in, but honestly, we didn't let him in every room of the house, we kind of let him in the living room. And that's cool. We're like, all right, God, we let you in. But as time goes on, we realize there's other rooms or areas or doors we did not let him in. I realize that. And what do I do with that? I'm like, wow, I didn't think about that area of my life. I thought that area was mine. And he's like, no, I want it all. And when he shows you this, you got to let him in. And, and this is a journey of our hearts, guys, but it's a, it's a spiritual checkup on our heart conditions this morning. Uh, it's been said that if we lose our heart, we lose everything. I think that's true, in, not only in the natural, but in the spiritual. There are believers who love Jesus, but slowly but surely, somehow, they start losing heart. And when you start losing heart, you start losing everything. This is a big deal, and we want to look at it today in, uh, in detail. The question I want to ask you, I just want to state it again, and if there's one thing you hold on to, hold on to this question. What could your life be like? Dream a little bit for a moment. What could your life be like, really, if your heart beat with the heartbeat of God? What will your life look like in 20 or 50 years from now if, in fact, your heart begins to beat with the heartbeat of God? If we were syncopated and locked in with the living God, creator of the universe, by the power of his spirit, if our heart was as beaten with the heartbeat of God, what would your life look like? And now think of what your life would look like without beating with the heartbeat of God. Just doing your own thing. There's two different destinies, two different outcomes. Think about that because I believe the calling of God in your life is that your heart will beat with his and mine as well. And we, we want to go there. So in scripture, the heart comes up over a thousand times. Uh, the Bible looks at the heart. It references the heart as the center of our emotions. It's where our desires, passions, and appetites, that's where they live. They live in the heart's. And uh, it's the part of our being that's really the authentic person. That's what makes us unique and individual is our heart conditions and what's going on in our heart. And it's also not only the center of the person, it's the place where God makes his appeal. When you see Jesus making his appeal to people throughout the Bible, he's not saying, hey, can I talk to your brain for a second? Can we have an intellectual debate here about something? You know, there's two reasons he doesn't do that is because... His ways are above our ways as far as the heavens are above the earth. We can't have an intellectual debate with God. We're not qualified to. But God can make an appeal to your heart. And he's been making appeals to the heart of people forever. He's making appeals to my heart today. And hopefully he's making some to yours. But that's where God turns. God turns to the heart. God says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. He's making the appeal to the human heart. And throughout scripture, he's dealing with hearts and heart conditions. And I, I think we need to spend some time on the topic. The first scripture I want to look at this morning. Uh, and these are in your bulletin. Okay, first scripture, Matthew 5.8. I love this. Let's look at this. We'll unpack some of these as we go. It says, you're familiar with this one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Interesting. Here we are with the heart condition. And the first thing I want to say, if you're a note taker, to to maybe jot this down, because this is profound and it's revolutionary when it comes to blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God, as stated by Jesus. Here's the first thing we got to note today. In the spiritual realm, purity and vision go hand in hand. In the spiritual realm, purity, blessed are the pure in heart, and seeing God, vision, go hand in hand. This is the way God designed it. Pure hearts actually see God. Pure hearts actually see what the Spirit is doing right here, right now among us. Pure hearts. Not skeptical hearts or hearts with maybe issues or hearts that still are cluttered up with stuff, but a pure heart, as stated by Jesus, they're the ones who see God. They're the ones who see what God's doing. They're the ones who see what God wants. They're the ones who feel what God feels. Blessed are the pure in heart. I would say that purity... Is actually the pathway to seeing. Purity is the pathway to seeing. If you want to see what God's doing, God, what are you doing? God, what do you want to do? Purity can't be escaped. Purity is a matter of being right before God. Now, I just want to say no one's perfect. We're all sinners. That's why we all need a Savior. And we all fall short of the glory of God. And we stumble day to day. We all fall short. It's not about perfection, but it is about direction. And it's not an excuse for sloppy living. It's saying, you know what, if I fall down, I'm going to get up, God dust me off, I'm going to pursue you, rather than saying, it's cool, I kind of like it here in the mud. Okay? If you slip and fall in the mud and you like it there, the Bible says you're not going to see God. Purity, getting up and saying, hey, I might have fallen short, but you're the king of kings and I'm following you, and I'm in mad pursuit of you, I want to follow your heart. That's the kind of purity that gets to see God. And there's no escape in it. Um, Bible calls it holiness, sanctified, set apart, a lot of different names, but it's literally trying to walk right in the eyes of the living God, trying to walk right. You can't get away from that. And there's no way that someone's gonna be anointed and blessed by God with all kinds of gifts and all this stuff in a way that they're seeing everything where God's revealing everything when their heart's not right. It's just a matter of time before God takes away lampstands. And we've seen this historically in people's lives. Maybe you've experienced that yourself. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. It's been said that God alone sees the heart, and the heart alone sees God. God's looking at hearts. He's always looking at hearts. God's never stopped looking at hearts. God's looking at hearts today. And it seems like our heart is what begins to see God. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, what starts to happen is the heart starts to get kind of stirred up a little bit, and the heart's going you know, I kind of sense God's calling me and tugging me. It's a tug of the heart, not the brain. And he's pulling on the heartstrings, and we realize, God, you're, you love me, you're pursuing me, and then we decide to open our heart to the love of God in Jesus Christ. But it's the heart, really, that's the pursuit. God, is, God alone sees the heart, the heart alone sees God. How many of you guys know that God is literally looking for men and women... After his own heart. You guys know that? After his own heart. Now that's an interesting thing. It comes up in scripture. It's noted about King David, who was a young worshiper. And when he was young, he had faith that would not quit. He had a pure heart. He was writing psalms and songs to the Lord. He was was not afraid. He stepped out in levels of faith that were unprecedented. And God's looking down at that young boy and goes, I like this guy. He's got a heart after my own heart. Uh, God's never stopped looking for people that have a heart like his, after his, a heart that's willing to pursue his heart, a heart that's willing to beat with his heartbeat. He's never stopped looking for people like that. And when he finds people like that, not perfect people, because there are none, but people that are willing to have their heart beat in syncopation with that of the living God. When God finds that, watch out. The scripture says he finds them, and when he finds them, he strongly supports them. Two ways to go through life: with the strong support of God, or on your own. I'm taking strong support of God for a hundred. Anybody else? Yeah. The strong support of God is the way you want to go through life, and God is looking for them. In fact, Second Chronicles sixteen nine. I love the scripture. It says, "For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for hearts that are completely His, so that He can strongly support them." God's like I'm looking all over the globe. He's not partial. He's looking at every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's looking at every, where will I find a heart that is mine? Where where will I find hearts that are willing to beat and syncopate with mine? Not their own, fly solo. Where am I going to find them? Because when I do, I will find them. And I will strongly support them. I love that about the nature of God. He's been doing it. We read stories of people all through scripture. And there's thousands more who never made it into the scripture who God has found. There's people today in and among us and around us that are literally saying, yes, I want my heart to beat with yours. God's like, beautiful. I can do a lot with that. I can do a lot with that. His eyes are looking. And my prayer is that he finds a whole group of people today here and meeting in LA saying, that's us. We're in the city of angels, Lord. Let us be those people. That's, That's my prayer. And that's why we really need to focus on the heart, guys, because the heart is such a big deal. In fact, that's why we need to search our hearts regularly. I find myself doing this. Every once in a while, you go, what's going on in this heart of mine? Have you ever done that? Your heart's being stirred up. You don't like, I I don't know how my heart got to where it is today. I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) I didn't wake up asking for this. But you find your heart in an interesting place. You got to start stopping and searching that heart. Because if you don't search that heart you don't come to terms with what's starting to steer you, what's starting to sway you, what's starting to influence you, what's starting to disconnect you with the heartbeat of God. It happens. It happens regularly. And that's why we need to search our hearts regularly. I love this one. Psalm uh, 4, verse 4 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Listen to this. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. This is a song, one of the psalms, so it's a song. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. And then it throws the word sila in there, which is a Hebrew word for stop and chew on that for a while. It's, it's a word in the song for pause and reflect on that. We're not moving on to the next verse. We're not moving into the chorus. Stop and think about this. This is the way the song is written. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Pause. Stay there. Think of how different we might wake up if every night we truly stop and search our heart. Can I tell you what's enormous about this? The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because if you let the sun go down on your anger, or me, any of us, what happens in the spiritual realm, the Bible says, is that it begins to give the devil a foothold, it begins to grow a root of bitterness. Hebrews and Ephesians talk about what happens on anger when we let the sun go down on our anger. It elaborates on bitterness and where it comes from. When you and I don't deal with and reconcile our own heart, this is what happens. So the next day we wake up with bitterness in our heart. We didn't ask for it, but we allowed it to grow because we didn't. Search our hearts. And that's why it's saying, search your hearts on your bed and be silent. Do business with God every night. If there's things that need to to be reconciled with during the day, things that have to deal with them, don't go to bed with those things on your heart because they grow. They grow. We can give the devil a foothold. We can give the devil a stronghold. It starts with these things in our own hearts. And that's really important. Uh, The word here, when it says, search your hearts and be silent... In the Hebrew, it means to speak with your heart, consult with your heart, and even to commune with your heart, to spend some time with that heart and say, what is going on in this cortisone right here? What's going on in here, God? I I don't know why, but I got these feelings right now, and I don't want them. I don't know where this stuff came from. Whatever is going on, to stop and consult, and that's what it's saying right here, to search your hearts and to be silent. Now, here's the difference. As you're spending time searching your heart and kind of probing what's going on in that heart of yours, there's two different modes that you and I can be in. And this happens. We can either be in the spirit or we can be in our flesh. Now, if you're in the spirit, if you're walking with God and you're being led by the spirit, that's a beautiful way to check your heart. But if you're being led by the flesh, which can happen to us in about 1.2 seconds, we can go from spirit to flesh. That quickly sometimes. If we're in a place where we're in our flesh and we're searching our heart, sometimes we just justify what happens. Sometimes we excuse what's going on. Sometimes we come up with all kinds of reasons why. We build defenses. We got a judge, jury, and everything going on in this little you know, court of appeals up here. Has anyone ever done that? Right? You can have a whole justification process for future conversations and the way things are going That's all in the flesh. The Spirit of God's not doing that. The Spirit of God is not building a case against folks like that. The Spirit of God is not running with that. That's what our flesh does. So it's really important when you search your heart that you're in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Because if you're in the flesh, you're going to basically justify things. That's what we do. That's what our nature does. Our nature will do anything sometimes to protect this heart. It's the most vulnerable organ in the body. Even though it's strong and has radical capacity, it's also vulnerable and, and, and our flesh will do anything to protect it. And that's why this is an important conversation this morning. We want to take down walls. We want to peel this like an onion. We want to get to the heart of the matter so that our heart can beat with the heartbeat of God. If we try to protect and justify and, and have reasons why we are the way we are and why we're staying the way we're staying and why we're not letting God in anymore, we'll be stuck and we'll be paralyzed. And that's not the design of the living God In fact, what happens sometimes, what happens sometimes when this heart gets injured, because it does get injured along the way, all of us in this room, we've had life events and circumstance that have dinged and chipped and bruised this heart. What happens to an injury in the natural is we stop using it. If you you twist your ankle, you don't use your ankle for a while. You're on crutches, right? You you hurt yourself. you, You refrain from using what was injured. Here's the problem. If we don't quickly begin a healing process very intentionally, what happens to the, the part that was hurt is it begins to atrophy, which really means it begins to die. So the parts of the human heart that have been affected, hurt, chipped, or ding, we can just shut them down and say we're not going there, which we're very good at doing, by the way. What happens is they begin to atrophy and they begin to die. And Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came for a freedom. Jesus came to, we're going to see in a minute, take away hearts of stone and give hearts of flesh. And if there's chipped and dinged parts, there's going to be a time at the end of the service where we're going to do some business with God. I'm I'm going to invite all of you to do some business with God. It's a vulnerable topic, the human heart. Most folks don't want to go there. But I'm going to invite you to come forward and do some business with God. I know I need to. And I will, and I'm going to encourage you guys to do the same. But these areas of your heart, that get chipped and dinged and bruised along the way. They get harder and harder, and we begin to justify and justify. And there is no room in that heart to pulse with the heartbeat of God. In fact, it's a contradiction, and God wants to change some things. What ends up happening when we're in the flesh instead of in the spirit, when we're searching our heart, we draw conclusions very quickly. And can I tell you what happens when we draw conclusions quickly? Not only does our heart not heal, it starts fires in other people's hearts. It causes damage. The fire spreads when we draw conclusions quickly. And that's the problem with being in the flesh and searching our heart. We end up justifying and being convinced they must have thought that and maybe they're this. And before you know it, judge and jury, the, the jury's back in and the verdict is already laid down. And we didn't really run it up the flagpole with God. We didn't even check in with the Spirit of God, but we have a conclusion, and the Spirit of God's saying, yeah, that's not my conclusion. And this is what happens with our hearts. This is what we do. This is what our human nature does. No one has to tell us to do this. It's what our nature does. The Spirit of God wants to do it differently. Um, sometimes we can't trust our own hearts. The Bible tells us that. Some people will say, well, what do you, what do you think the pursuit of life is? And they'll say, I just follow my heart, Right? Be careful on that. If it's a consecrated heart led by the Spirit of God, yes, you can follow your heart. If it's the Spirit of God here and the human heart right here, beautiful. But if it's the human heart up here, you can't follow your heart because your heart will function in the natural where the Bible says the carnal man. And you'll be led by a heart which leads it leads us all astray. The heart comes up with all kinds of stuff. Think of some of the stuff that you've had in your heart that you realize later on was wrong. Can I get a show of hands? okay. That's why you can't follow your heart. You can't follow your heart. You've got to follow the Spirit of God or the Spirit of God leading your heart. If the Spirit of God is leading the way, that's a consecrated heart you can follow. But if not, then it's a heart of flesh. And that won't get us anywhere, guys. That will continue to protect and justify and do all sorts of stuff that really there's no evolution of the heart. There's no growth towards the heart of God. And, And that's not what he's uh, asking us to do. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So if you think your heart is good, no problem, and I know my heart really well, the Bible says, "Er, wrong answer. (laughs) No, you don't. No one can really know it well. We think we know it. I think we find out what bubbles to the surface, but we don't really know the reasons why. And so the Bible is telling us We can't really even know it all the way and that's why we have to ask God to search our hearts because you and I can't even really know our hearts good enough. We can't, we think we do. We gotta ask God to search our hearts. It's our second point this morning if you're a note taker, ask God to search you regularly. I have to, I'm sure you have to. Sometimes stuff comes up, you're like, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling like this? Where did this come from? Well, you got to go, God, search me because I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's up. I don't have an answer. I don't have a reason. I don't want to run with this in the natural. I don't want to run with this in the flesh. Can you search this heart, God? Because if you don't, it'll start getting hard. Things come up, the chips, the bruises, and the dings along the way will happen in life. It's a natural process in life. But if you don't let God search this heart regularly, things begin to petrify in here. And there's nothing worse than a hardened heart. There's nothing worse. God can't use a hardened heart. God can use a broken heart. But God cannot use a hardened heart. A broken heart, he came to bind up the broken heart. Hallelujah for that. God binds up broken hearts. He's in a great business of restoring the hearts of people. He's been doing it historically throughout time. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. But when it comes to hard hearts, that's a thing where we've got to make room for God. Some hearts begin to petrify You've got to ask God to search you regularly. A few scriptures I want to read, Revelation 2.23. Jesus says this, All the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. Jesus is saying, all the churches will know I search hearts. That's the living God. God searches hearts. David, King David, knew this very well. And even in the Old Testament, he was saying, God, search this heart. I don't know what's going on with this heart. I need you to search it. Because I'm not really capable of searching it the right way. Would you search this heart of mine? It says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, God, I'm getting a little wound up here. I'm getting a little wound up. I got some anxiety going on. I don't know where this is coming from, what's going on. But would you search me? And God will search, and God will speak, and God will minister to your heart if you you let him do this. Um, He continues in Psalm 139, and he says, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. See, King David was smart enough to say, God, just don't just deal with my anxieties, which I can't explain. Would you deal with, would you tell me if there's an offense? Because maybe God, maybe what's missing right now is there has been an offense. I offended somebody, I sinned. And I'm clueless to what it is. I am ignorant to what I did. Would you search me and show me I am willing to know and I'm willing to own that. Some folks don't want to do this. I didn't offend anybody. (laughs) They need to get over it. (laughs) Shouldn't have bothered them anyway. (laughs) And this is the road we can go down. Instead of David going, God, if I did, would you search me? I know I can't have offensive ways in me, and maybe I did. Maybe I stepped on some folks along the way. Maybe I said things I shouldn't have said. Would you search me? Is there any offensive way? Can I just tell you something? There's an area of your heart God cannot minister to and will not minister to until you deal with offense, until you and I deal with offenses, until you and I are willing to confess. Can I tell you there's power in confession? And I wasn't planning on talking about confession today, but I want to say something. Not confessing to a priest, confessing things to God, confession. Rather than, Lord, just forgive me of all my sins, okay? We're good, right? Me and you are good now? We're cool? Now, how about confessing? How about saying some things to God that you haven't said? You've never brought them into the light. How about that kind of confession? There is liberty in that. There is power in confession. There is liberty and there is breakthrough and there is freedom in confession. Search me, O oh God. If there's an offensive way, let it come out because there's no way my heart's going to syncopate with yours with this stuff going on. And so this is radical stuff. I want to hit on a few different heart conditions, okay? A couple of heart conditions that get in the way of our hearts beating in sync with the living God. A hardened heart is the first one. It's been said the greatest human tragedy is not a broken heart, but a hard heart. And the phrase, the phrase hardness of heart comes out through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. It comes up for the people of God, even Jesus said this of the disciples, as well as non-believers. Hardness of heart can happen to anybody. It can happen to us right here in the room. Maybe there's places in your heart that are getting hard right now. And this is a good time to really think about this. Here's the thing. Jesus can take away a heart of stone and can give you a heart of flesh. I know because I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people, maybe you are too, where he's taken away a heart of stone. You know, I had a different upbringing. You know, I lived in New York City, alcoholic home. And we used to get some beatings when we were little kids. And, you know, New York makes you kind of tough. And it kind of hardened me really quick. Uh, People would try to rip off your lunch on the way to school. Who are you looking at? Don't look at my lunch. You know, it's the way it was. It was life. I didn't ask for it. I didn't sign up for it. When I moved to California at at 14 years old, people starting things, or maybe I was starting things, who are you looking at, you know, and pretty soon swinging. I'm not happy about that. In fact, that era of my life grieves me and breaks my heart. I was getting in fights like every day at 14 years old. That doesn't make me happy. I don't want that. But you know what that was? That was a hard heart. And it started as a little kid. A heart that got harder. And I had to say, God, would you take away that heart of stone? Would you give me a heart of flesh? There's no future in that kind of heart. There is no future in that heart. And God will. And he's good at it. And he does it. And that's why I'm standing here today. Now my heart still gets hard at times over things and I got to keep going back and saying, search me. But there better be a definitive day in your life where you've said, God, would you take away this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh? There's got to be a day of decision on that. And uh, if you hadn't made it, maybe today is the day, but he's good at that. It says in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you, Heart of flesh. Wow. One that can actually be in sync with the heart of God instead of a hard heart, which gets petrified and really isn't usable. Um, Not good for you, not good for others, not good for the kingdom of God. The other kind of heart condition is a divided heart. A divided heart is this, quite simply it's a heart that's not all in. It's a heart that, yeah, God, I'm, I'm, I'm good with you. I don't have a problem with you. And, you know, you're good. You're God. You're the creator and you're the savior. Great. But am I actually going to step over the line and give you my life? Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. That's a divided heart. With some respect, some honor for God, but not actually surrender to him. That's a divided heart. That is a heart that's on the fence. I don't want hell, but I'm not sure that I really want to grab hold of heaven. I just kind of want to hang out. Maybe I'm in a safe zone. That's what I thought. I live that way thinking being on the fence is cool. You know, I got respect for you, God, but I can't give you my life. I don't want to lay down my life. I want to keep my life. And I got respect for you, but I I don't like the devil either. I don't want to follow him. And I'm going to hang out right here. And God just one day smacked me and said, son, get off that fence. Would you come down off of that fence? He actually gave me the scripture in Revelation chapter 3. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you from my mouth. I'm like, whoa, that was an accident. That was just a (laughs) coincidence. I tried to say that, and I tried to run for a couple more years. You can run, but you can't hide. God is a loving God. He's a loving Father. He's in mad pursuit of people. Chased me down, and I'm glad he did. But a divided heart. Imagine young King David trying to go after Goliath with a divided heart. Imagine King David going out there, little boy. Instead of picking up five smooth stones, I'm just going to get one and tighten my laces really good in case I got a sprint. I'm just going to try one rock, and if that doesn't work, I'm going to run as fast as I can. David didn't have a divided heart. He's like, you are defying the armies of the living God. You, sir, are going down. I'm not going to win. God's going to win today. Watch this. David walking in faith, not divided. Fully in, fully in. Um, Ezekiel 11:19. 19, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. Undivided heart, that's another one. Uh, Here's another one I need to hit on this briefly, and I talked a little bit about it, is a bitter heart. A bitter heart. A bitter heart is one where there's been unmet expectations. There were hopes and dreams, and they were not met. And because there's disappointment, the disappointment, remember you let the sun go down on your anger? It turns into bitterness, and a heart becomes bitter, and might not have woke up one day and said, Lord, I want a bitter heart, but the Bible says this is a spiritual law. This will happen. If you go to bed with your anger, it will grow a root of bitterness. The Bible tells us. Don't think any of us can be exempt from that. Don't think, well, that's what it says, but I can go to bed angry. I can hold on to my anger and I won't be bitter. That's not true. What happens with a bitter heart is we go to bed, there's unforgiveness, there's pain, there's unreconciled things. There's things that we did not do business with God. And things take root in a different dimension in our life. And then we end up pretty stuck in a bitter heart. Injury, uh, things atrophy in the heart, things get petrified. Our hearts are kind of like a garden. There's flowers in there that we need to water, and there's also weeds that we need to pull. And the weeds that are in there, we don't just trim them. I've made the mistake, we got roses before, and you get those weird things shooting out of the roses. And sometimes I just cut them because they're, they look ugly. But They keep growing. You've got to get them out at the root. Boom. And if you don't get them out at the root, they keep growing. And it's the same way with our heart, guys. Um, our, our third point this morning is this, that a godly heart is committed to ongoing cultivation. A godly heart is committed to ongoing cultivation. If you and I are not willing to say, God, continue to do renovation. <laughs> Continue to transform whatever you want to do. If we're not open to the continuing process, then the day we stop growing is the day we start dying. And people start dying first in their heart, really. We got to be open to an ongoing renovation. We got to be open to ongoing reconstruction. We got to be open to ongoing cultivation. And if it's not a choice, if we don't let God continue to cultivate this heart. You know, Jesus in John 15 gives us the the lesson with the, the true vine. And the only way, there is no other way, the only way you and I are going to bear much fruit is if we let the vine dresser do some trimming. We let them cut some weeds out of the way. We have to. And some are like, nope, no one's touching this heart. This heart's been messed with before and I'm fine right here. And this is what we do. We don't say it, but we begin to shut down. And maybe not shut down all the rooms of your heart, but there's certain doors that are shut and they're locked and they're deadbolted and God can't go in there. Maybe it's the hallway closet. That's cool, Lord. You don't need to go in there. You're in the living room. You got the nice sofa couch. You're in the house. God's like, no, I want to go in the hallway closet. Nope. No one goes in there, Lord. I don't even go in there. (laughs) Nobody goes in there. (laughs) God's like, but I want to go in there. You see, if I can't invade all the rooms of your house with my love, you're never going to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. You're never going to be able to carry the kingdom into the lives of others. And that's what he wants for us to do. It's so important, guys. We've got to give them all the rooms. There's a a story of an old uh, Cherokee Indian. He was a grandpa, and he was sitting down around the fire, and he he told his grandson, he said, "Uh, grandson, you see, inside the lives of every human being, there are two wolves, two different wolves. One wolf is a bad wolf. It it just lives for envy and strife and and hurt and pain and and, and greed and these, these other kind of animosities. That's what it lives for, and... The other wolf is a good wolf. It lives for the pursuit of love and and, and, and tenderness and and forgiveness and and joy and peace and truth. And after he said this, the, the young grandson waited for a couple of minutes and said, Grandfather, out of the two wolves, which one wins? And the grandfather said, The one that you feed. The one that you feed is the one that wins. And inside bus, us, the story is true. The one you feed. It's a choice. You feed what you, you want to feed. And Proverbs 4.23, this is our last scripture. In fact, the worship team, if you guys would come up on this, I want to... This one here is important, guys. You might want to underline this in your Bible. But hold on to this one. This is an important one uh, regarding the heart condition. And if our heart is going to beat with the heart of God, uh, hold on to this one. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, this is huge. It's a big statement. It's a, it's a broad thesis statement about the condition of the human heart. And he's breaking it down three different things here. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Let me just say, above all else, he's saying this is a straight up priority. Above all else, this is numero uno. You got to do this. Don't put this on the back burner. Number one, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, you got to keep your heart right. And your heart doesn't stay right all by itself. Mine doesn't, yours won't, no one's will. Above all else, make the condition of your heart a priority. Look at it daily. Put it before God, search me. But number one, above all else, he says it's the wellspring of life. In other words, everything you and I do is an outflow of the heart. Jesus said, from an outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Even the stuff we say, the things we do, our passions, directions, our pursuits, our decisions really it's an outflow of our heart and this is why it's a wellspring if you lived in the old days and you lived in the desert you would go to that wellspring and that's the source of your life you wouldn't live without the water coming out of the wellspring and that's what he's saying your heart and my heart it's the wellspring it's where everything comes from it comes from the heart that's why it's a priority your friends it affects everyone around you our heart impacts everything friends family, our ministry, our career, even our legacy. If you're going to leave a legacy, it's going to be because of your heart. Not because of your brain, it's going to be because of your heart. Um, And the last thing he says here is to guard it, to guard your heart. This isn't to be standoffish and to be like that. He's not talking about that. What he's talking about is it's valuable. If this is a wellspring, if you have a well and it's the source of life, What they would do in the old days when the enemy would come in, they would come in and poison the well. They would try to poison your well. They wouldn't just try to conquer your land, they would try to poison your well to take away your life source. Solomon, who wrote this, is well aware of what the devil tries to do, and he tries to poison wells. He'll try to poison your well, my well, with experiences. We've been through stuff. And, uh, you know, been through some painful things. Maybe people have hurt you and injured you and come against you and these other things in life. You don't understand why God, me, why is this happening? But here's the thing. If we don't do the right thing with it, the devil will use it to spoil and poison this wellspring. And basically what he's saying right here is be careful that you don't let things in. Guard that heart. It's the wellspring of life. Don't let any poison in. Watch what you let in. Watch what you open yourself to. The devil would love to poison your well. Don't let him do it. There's other influences out there would love to poison you well. It's the wellspring of life. That's how important your heart is. Be careful what you toy with. Be careful what you play with. That's your heart. It's the wellspring. Nothing else can get in that wellspring. And so I just want to, I want to close in prayer right now, guys. But I know that I personally have to come back To my heart, I got to come back to my own heart. I got to come back to this heart of mine, God. It, um, I love you, and and I want to be committed to you. But stuff comes up, past comes up, present comes up, and it gets in the way. I get out of sync with you, God. My heart doesn't syncopate with yours because of stuff that comes up, and there's no place for it. Maybe you're, you would agree with that. Maybe your heart's the same way where you're thinking stuff comes up and messes with your heart and you get out of sync with God and it's time for your heart to beat with the heart of God. Maybe you've never had a day when you've said, you know what, now is the time. I want to ask him to take away a heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. He stands at the door of my heart and he knocks and he's saying, if you open the door and let me in, I will come in. He's making an appeal to your heart and to my heart. Maybe this is the day for you to say it's time to open the heart and let him in. Maybe there's other rooms and you know you haven't given them those rooms. They're off limits. Maybe this is the time to say, you know what? It's time to surrender it all. It's time to let you in every single room. Maybe it's time to say, God, instead of changing my heart, maybe it's time to say, Lord, I want to have your heart. (laughs) I want my heart to beat the way your heart beats. I want to see what your heart sees. I want to feel what your heart feels. I want to get in on the kingdom according to the heart of the living God, because that's my heart this morning. And I'll just tell you, if God would find a group of people willing to line their heart with his heart, he can change a city. He'll change your life. You'll leave a legacy in a whole different way, in an unprecedented manner. But he can change a city with a handful of folks who say, I want my heart to beat with yours. And, um, I know that's what I want this morning. I'm going to close in prayer. And if, you, if that's your appeal of your heart, I, I want to encourage you to come forward. I know this looks like a school, but we transform it to a sanctuary. And when we're gathered in his name, he's present. And I, I know I personally want to come before God. If you do too, I want to encourage you to just come up here and kneel before the living God. Put your heart on the altar in the privacy of your own heart. Do some business with God and say, God, I want to put my heart on the altar. I want to give you these areas. I want to give you these rooms. I want my heart to beat like yours does. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.